Hey, everybody. This is Tina again with Good Nurse, Bad Nurse. And I have Kevin with Art of Emergency Nursing podcast back on with me this week. Hey, Kevin, how are you doing? I am fantastic, Tina. How are you doing? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. As good as I can. I think as good as can be expected. Okay. I, I don't know. Okay. It's, it's a little rough I, out there right now. So times um, are a little times are a little rough right now for nurses, aren't they? Yeah, it really it <laughs> it really is. So I, I always hate to when someone asks how I'm doing. I always hate to just be like everything is great because it's wonderful. It's not that like, great mm-hmm. right now. It's kind of like it's just we're kind of managing and trying to make the the most of you know the the a negative situation. I guess yeah, doing the best yeah, we can. Yeah, certainly that's what we're doing, you know, in the ERs too, is we're, we're trying to make the best of a bad situation, right? Mm-hmm. Like, it's a global pandemic. Everyone's busy. We're getting our butts kicked. Yeah. Um, but, we're, but we're trying to stay positive and trying to stay, um, you know, stay hopeful. Yeah, exactly. But we got lots to be hopeful for right now, so that's certainly helpful. I think there's a light at the end of the tunnel <laughs> um, that, that's coming, coming pretty soon, hopefully. Um, yeah. I know I'm planning to get the vaccine probably next week because okay. I work this weekend and I don't want to get the vaccine and then get sick and not be able to work. So I'll probably get it Monday, which is uh, for me going to be the 21st. So this yeah. this episode will release in a couple of weeks. So I will have had it by the time this, by the this time, episode. By the time the audience is hearing it, you'll already be done. Mm-hmm. So I, I got my vaccine yesterday. Okay. And 24 hours and a little over, 20, little over 24 hours later, doing fine. Like, Good. Uh, my arm's a little sore, but other than that, like um, no symptoms, no no problems so far. Knock on wood. Good to hear. Um, but yeah, it was a, it was a pretty easy decision for me to, to to decide to get the vaccine, and and I know that's a question that a lot of nurses are going to be asking and are being asked, and will have to answer um, here in the future if you if you haven't already that you're going to be asked whether or not you want to take the vaccine, and hopefully many will. Because um, I, I think you're right. I think hopefully this will be the light at the end of the tunnel that 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 will help us start to get our life back. Yes, I hope so. I think that if uh, enough too. people don't want to take the vaccine, then it's going to be hard for it to really make that big of an impact. But uh, hopefully, more people will kind of you know come come around and and decide to to go ahead and get it. I th- I've just heard a lot of people say that they're not going to get it, or at least they're not going to get it the first time around. I keep hearing that. From a lot of people, I you know I've heard that too, and and what I what I think about is, I think that you know like my family members, for instance, are going to look to me as the healthcare worker and say, well, are you going to get it? And they they've asked me, are you going to get it? And I'm like, I'm going to get it because um, it for me in my situation, I think it was the right choice, and and I think they'll look to healthcare workers to see what we're doing, and then they're going to make the decision whether or not that's something they want to want to do. So I think you know. You know Keep an eye because you know there's people watching. There's people watching I, to see what we do and see how how that goes. I agree. Um, I think we do have a responsibility. Um, and being good stewards mm-hmm. of health and science and, right. and stewards of science, I think we we do it. So I'm I'm right there with you. Well, we've got a pretty interesting show today. I'm excited about this. Uh, our good nurse story that we're going to do at the end. It's a little different, you guys, but I I'm, I've never seen anything like it before, and. As far as the nur- our nursing profession, it is probably one of the most, to me, flattering things I've ever seen for nursing as far as in the art community, you know, and uh, so many things on t- television and, and movies. 
they're just sometimes so insulting, not meaning to, obviously, but they I know they don't know, but it's still frustrating to see yeah. them not understand. And, and this, what we're going to be talking about later, oh, they they hit it right. They, they hit the nail right on the head and I just can't wait to talk about it. It's exciting. But we've got a really good uh, bad doctor story too, of course. I've been picking on doctors way too much lately. Uh, well, I, there's a lot of bad doctors out there, unfortunately. Oh, and probably I, not a ton of bad nurses, maybe, I maybe think, a few. I think there's a lot of, a lot. they get a lot of attention from the media because they I think it's get just- get a lot of attention. It's just really salacious to, you know, a, a doctor that, that, you know, did something. So, That's true. Like if if I do something silly, then I'm just Kevin. But if I'm a doctor, then I'm Doctor Kevin. Who and it's did something so it, it just makes for better headlines, or you know, more yeah. interesting stories, or at least that's apparently what uh, news organizations think because they're all over the place. And all I know that the there place. are a lot of nurses that do things too. I have to dig a little harder for them. They're, I bet that I bet that's true. I bet you do. I bet you got to do a little bit more digging for the nurses. Yeah, so. because people don't the the even though there are a lot of nurses who who happen to do bad things they don't necessarily in the articles say nurse nurse alex or nurse tom or nurse you know they don't as yeah. as opposed to doctor so and so so it's it's easier to find stories yeah. about doctors so i apologize Probably. again i feel like i'm always apologizing for, for picking on the doctors but they're they're just easier hey, to find they're, i'm sorry they're there to they're there to pick on so. i know sorry you guys so this is about anthony pignataro and Dr. Pignataro, this is, you cannot make this stuff up, you guys. This is the most, some of the most bizarre <laughs> things that this guy, I don't know, was involved in. Or just, he's just quite a character. But he was born in Buffalo, New York. He went to college at Lehigh University. And his dad was a doctor. And he wanted to be, as a, a lot of people do, he wanted to become a doctor like his father. But... The problem with that is he was rejected by all the medical schools that he applied for. So, Maybe not super smart. Yeah, apparently not. He actually mm. attended medical school at the San Juan Bautista School of Medicine in Puerto Rico. No offense to other people who maybe went to that school. Probably a, probably a fine medical school, but probably sure. not most people's first choice. Maybe. And Maybe. for, for whatever know. reason, he was able to get into that one and not the other ones. So, you know, we'll leave it at that, I guess. So he met his wife, Debbie, while he was in school. They got married in 1985, and they had two children. They had a boy and a girl. And so he started working at a hospital in New York as a surgeon. And his coworkers were not at all impressed with his uh, knowledge of medicine. He, They, I guess... You know, some of the things I read uh, about him, his coworkers were like, you know, he just didn't seem like he knew what he was doing. I mean, that's kind of scary. This guy's a I, surgeon. That's got to stand out pretty quick, mm -hmm. especially for surgeons, because because the nurses know. Like, oh, yeah. The nurses know the difference between a good surgeon and a bad surgeon. Mm -hmm. And if they're going, mm. right. And I I'd, I'd say a lot of you know, even if um, he happened to be able to fumble his way through a surgery. Uh, and you know, fake his way through that, which is crazy. If he's trying to manage that patient that's maybe in the hospital and making decisions, maybe the patient gets um, an infection or has some sort of complication, and then you know, sometimes patients will have a procedure and they'll be in the hospital for a while because they end up getting really sick. You know, you 
just yeah. things happen. Sometimes these surgeons will hand off the medical care of, of their patients that are in the hospital to like a hospitalist, an internal medicine physician. So I don't know what was going on with this guy, but for whatever reason, his coworkers did, did not think that he seemed to know a lot about medicine. So he started his own plastic surgery practice in New York. And that scares me, you know, to think that someone... Just start your own, just start your own thing. I'll go, I'll go do it on my own. Yeah, I'll just, I, you know, this whole hospital surgery thing, medicine thing, it's not for me. I think I'll just go start cutting on people. So in the late 1990s, he invented, so I told you guys this is a little bizarre. He invented a toupee because he actually was um, having a problem with hair loss himself. He was suffering from uh, hair loss. And so he invented a toupee that would actually snap on to your head. And you ha- he would have to surgically implant titanium sockets into the skull. And then you would secure gold snaps into the sockets from the hairpiece. So the hairpiece is attached to the gold snaps. Can you imagine this? I Like, okay, I understand the, 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 the desire for hair because, you know, at some point I may need that. But surgically implanting metal so that I can snap on a, a rug, I, I'm not sure that... I'm not sure that I'd sign up for that procedure. Gosh, I just the infection risk alone, much less how painful it would be. Right. Yeah, that's oh man, that's just insane. But there, you can if you go online and just Google Anthony Pignataro toupee, you will you can see the um, the drawings, you know, the rendering of of the like it's got like a a drawing of a, a head and like it shows this how the screws go in and then how the toupee snaps on. It's just really bizarre looking. For any of you inventors out there, that should give you hope that that if, if somebody can come up with a snap-on or a magnetic toupee, there may be hope for your idea, whatever that is. Right. Well, he was his own uh, first customer. He he actually used this on himself. Not just a, not just the uh, the president, but a, a member. Isn't that what the old... The hair club um, for men. <laughs> hair club for men, yeah. Mm-hmm. So for his practice, for his, his plastic surgery uh, practice, he hired an LPN and another person with no medical training at all to assist him with his procedures at his private practice. He did not have an uh, anesthesiologist or nurse anesthetist, nor did he have medical equipment to intubate someone should there be an emergency. So in 1997, a 26-year-old mother and wife, her name was Sarah Smith, she went to Dr. Pignatero's practice for an elective procedure. And during the this procedure, should have been a simple, simple procedure. There were some complications. As you can imagine, uh, Dr. Pignataro does not seem like the type of person who could get through even a simple procedure, honestly, without having complications. But that's just my <laughs> just, just what I've gathered from what, what I've heard from him so far. It's always fine if everything goes well, mm-hmm. right? So Without the proper medical equipment, Sarah Smith actually passed away from complications of the surgery. That's just horrifying to me to think that this woman went to a plastic surgeon, you know, and... Yeah, you go to a plastic surgeon thinking you're going to end up looking good and you end up not making it. That's that's unfortunate. Having an elective surgery, Mm. you know, it's just really sad. Um, Shortly after her death, the police start investigating, you know, and they're looking into this like, what? okay, this woman is relatively young. This should not have happened. What's going on? They start looking and they're like, oh, 
you don't even have a registered nurse working at your practice. You don't have an anesthesiologist. They, the, the, the police realize that this is something that's that doesn't seem... So many things wrong. So many things wrong with that. Yeah. He was arrested and charged with manslaughter for her death, and he pled guilty to criminal negligent homicide and was sentenced to pay a $5,000 fine, and he served six months in jail, and then he was ordered to complete 250 hours of community service. That just doesn't seem like enough, does it, Tina? No. Sometimes I I do these stories like week in and week out, and I find myself saying a lot that the punishment doesn't seem to, to fit the crime in some of these cases. It's... I don't know. It's a, it doesn't seem fair. It doesn't seem fair. So once he got out of jail from serving his uh, sentence there, he, he is caught cheating on his wife, Deborah. They separate for a brief period, but then they reconcile um, a few months later. So in May of 1999, Deborah starts getting sick. She's getting severe flu-like symptoms. She actually has to be admitted into the hospital and when she is admitted, her husband recommends to the doctor that her gallbladder be removed. And so they do some t- some blood tests on Deborah and they see her red blood cells show signs of poisoning. Now, now do doctors take recommendations if we go in and say, hey, doc, I, I think you need to look at this. Like, I mean, Well, and him being a doctor, you know, Sometimes I think um, maybe there are some healthcare professionals, nurses, doctors, whoever, that want to put their two cents in when it comes to their loved ones. It's hard not to. Yeah. It's hard. Not, I, I've been guilty of that too. It's, it's hard not to. But. Yeah. So I, I don't, I, I think probably most doctors kind of frown on that. <laughs> most doctors are like, okay, let me do the doctoring here yeah. today. Right. You be the husband. You came to me. You're not the doctor in this case, so trust my judgment. Mm-hmm. Um, but he was making this recommendation like, oh, I think maybe she needs to have her gallbladder removed. Uh, so they do this blood work and they they see some signs of poisoning. And then further tests reveal that Deborah had been ingesting nearly lethal amounts of arsenic. So... Scientists tested Deborah's hair follicles to determine how long she had been ingesting the poison. Dr. Pignatero suggested that Sarah Smith, our sweet um, mom who passed away from the elective surgery, he suggested that her family may have had something to do with Deborah's poisoning, maybe as revenge. Hmm. Probably not the first place the police were going to look. Yeah, I mean, they may have entertained that for a moment, but the problem with that theory is that her family moved many states away from the Pignataro family. So it would have been a a huge elaborate scheme for them to somehow figure out a way to travel several states on, you know, multiple occasions to slowly poison uh, Deborah with arsenic. So that was a problem with with his theory there. So police start investigating, of course, you know, they're like, what did you eat right before you you got sick? Do you remember eating anything in particular? So the only thing she could remember eating right before she got sick was soup. And the really weird thing, this was must have been just a crazy coincidence, but Dr. Pignataro happened to be the person who gave her the soup. Hmm. Yeah, just, I mean, yeah, that probably seemed less strange than there having to be arsenic in the soup. <laughs> yeah. So... 
Uh, a forensic test revealed Deborah had consumed over 29,000 milligrams of arsenic. That sounds like a big number. I don't know what, you know. I, I, that sounds like a lot. <laughs> it sounds, sounds like a whole lot. Um, the police suspected that Deborah's husband, former, former Dr. Anthony Pignataro, was intentionally poisoning his wife with arsenic. And they believed he was using soup, the only food that sounded good while feeling sick, to do it. Oh, what a wow. big Dr. Pignataro. So, Anthony was once again arrested and charged with intentionally poisoning his wife, Deborah. Uh, prosecutors in the case found evidence that suggested that the reason uh, Anthony asked the hospital doctors to perform the surgery, because remember, he was recommending to remove her gallbladder. Yeah. They think that his kind of his thinking was he was hoping that she would die during the surgery during just oh a gosh. routine gallbladder surgery. And then he would just be like, see, routine gallbladder surgery, and she died. See, it happens. That's They they found evidence that that was kind of along his line of thinking, you know, just literally sacrificing his wife just to prove a point. Just to be like, see, it wasn't me. Mm -hmm. it, it right, happens. it wasn't just me. It happened. It could happen to anyone. It's crazy. I know. It, it's It's horrifying. But he did plead guilty to the charges and he was sentenced to 15 years, this time to prison, a little more appropriate, a little more appropriate. I still don't, I mean, still okay, this enough. is, this man is just complete, has no regard for life whatsoever other than his own. And he, not only did he, was he neglectful with his uh, patient, but then he deliberately, obviously was trying to kill his wife. So I still f say 15 years. Not near enough. I don't think it was. I don't think it's long enough. That that's just me. Who you know who am I? But I, but but I guess they probably don't prosecute as much as if you like actually died. I so, guess, like, but so my thing is like if you if you're attempted if the intent if you intended for it to happen, what to me what difference does it make if you know if you blow Absolutely up right. someone's house, you know, and they just happen to survive it, you know? I mean, to me, I um. I feel like the intention should is what should be punished because not only so, are you letting him out in 15 years, you're freeing him to uh, do this again to someone. Yeah. yeah like who's this is his mindset. Anyone is yeah. expendable yeah. Uh, for my personal gain. So after he was released from prison for that, so he he did get out of prison after serving. I don't even know how long he served. I don't, even, I don't think he served the whole 15 years. Then he, he started trying to sell anti-aging creams and other cosmetic products under the name Anthony Hot. He, he changed his name, his last name. Or at least, I don't know if he legally changed it, but he was going by Anthony Hot, H-A-U-T-E. And then he was caught, this is in the New York area that he was doing this, and they found out that he was doing that, and they were, they were after him. So he fled before he used to want to go back to prison. So he fled, moved to Florida, this guy is just something else, I tell you. Um, after he moved to South Florida, he created a profile and on eldercare.com and advertised his services as a, quote, trustworthy senior caregiver in South Florida who has, quote, experience Tr administering medications. Oh, uh, well, probably true. Yeah, whether, I know. Whether they knew the medication was coming or not, probably true. Yeah. But holy cow. So, but but at least he said he was just a caregiver, not, I guess, because I, I can't imagine he was still a doctor. But I mean, I get it, but it seems, 
unethical at the very least. It seems like it should be really, it seems like it should be illegal to to offer your services as a caregiver and not disclose the fact that you are a disgraced medical doctor and that you had a a medical degree. Just leave that. Yeah, you just left that part out. Like it just mm-hmm. happened to have lost a license and tried to kill yeah. my wife. But I'm a doctor. Yeah, I guess they were able to bring that to light. So that that was not a thing anymore. I don't know what he's doing. I mean, he's trying to be a caregiver. That's not an easy job. So he must not be doing real well as no. far as you know. No. I mean, for him to probably not have doing, to probably not doing too well right now. But. Yeah, I would say. The statute of limitations has mm. run out on the false advertisement crimes that he committed in New York with the cosmetics company. So they're not going to be able to get him on any charges there, but they are still monitoring him for future crimes because they realize that for one thing, he's probably very desperate, you know, yeah, to make, to be able to make money to survive. Yeah. At some point, uh, yeah, with, so with that kind of deviant behavior, at some point, mm-hmm. it's just a matter of time till you some, do something else. It's just questionable. figures out. Mm-hmm. Something else for sure. to, for sure. Some other way of some other scheme of making money. Yeah. So that was our bad doctor story. It was kind of a quick story, but um, that's a bad doctor. I know. Holy There's a cow. lot of stuff packed in there too. There's a lot. Yeah, a lot of stuff. Holy cow! What? It's kind of scary. And and you, you think about these. You think about these like small clinics where you know you go in and you see you see it in some of these small clinics they do fairly invasive procedures mm-hmm. and, and you, you think to yourself like do they have what they need if things go sour if things go bad and well you know it hasn't, it hasn't been that long ago right it hasn't been that long ago Joan Rivers was uh undergoing a procedure a cosmetic um surgery procedure some type of cosmetic surgery and I want to say you guys, I know people hate it when I start talking and I didn't do my research. Stuff just pops into my head. This literally just popped into my head. So I start rambling and and I don't really know the details, but I'm pretty sure that this is correct, that she she did not want to go into the hospital. And I I think that the the physician that was doing the procedure really preferred for her to go to the hospital. They were really concerned, um, but she didn't want to. And so she had the procedure then at their clinic sort of outpatient clinic kind of thing. Um, yeah. And and it just went south and she did. She died during that procedure. So it, You know, uh, there's a lot of things you can get done at a strip mall, but surgery is not one of them. Yeah. And, and you know, those things are better left in the hospital with trained professionals. And mm-hmm. and I know, you know, certainly that's been, uh, that's what a lot of these these laws about how you can give drugs and where you can give drugs are, are kind of designed to protect the public from just that, to protect right. the public from... A provider, you know, doing whatever procedure in their, you know, little strip mall with no ability to resuscitate if something bad happens, yes. and it's it's scary. It's scary that that stuff happens. It is scary. It really is. So, wow, that's well, a that's a bad bad doctor story. I know it's a crazy story. I promise you guys, it had something really fun and interesting for the good nurse story, and I could not wait to talk about this. So you guys may have heard, for, for those of you who are on social media, I've seen this uh, coming through a couple of different times. Um, it's, not out, it's not really uh, prevalent. I don't feel like I've seen a whole lot of it. But there is um, a hospital system in Pennsylvania. And it is the, uh, let me make sure I've got the, it is the Pittsburgh-based Allegheny 
Health Network, AHN. They teamed up with Marvel Comics, or with Marvel, to publish a comic book called The Vitals, True Nurse Stories. This is, let me just tell you guys, it is the coolest thing. I, I just... There are so many things. In fact, recently, the nurses, there's a sitcom or some some kind of, I don't know if it's a oh, sitcom yeah. or what, it, that yeah. is, it's from Canada that just started. Um, and apparently, this is the most insulting show ever. I, I just am yeah. not going to watch it. I've heard too many people say it's terrible. I, I hadn't seen it, but I, boy, my, it was filled, it was filling up my Facebook feed with going, hey, we got to, we got to make sure. It's a, it's one of those new, you know, medical dramas that, that, that came out that, Apparently, doesn't show nursing in the best light, and and mm-hmm. of course they don't. It's all it's all drama. That's what they that's what they're selling there. But right, and it, a lot of nurses were really you know, had their feelings kind of kind of hurt and said that's not what it's like. My thing is if 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 people in Hollywood or wherever this was in Canada, apparently, but if they had any sense, the, the nursing community worldwide. There are millions of nurses. Do you know the the nurses alone that they could have viewership for if they would just make some, just put a little bit of effort, like whatever it is you're going to do, you can have, you can still have the drama. You can still have whatever you, the romance or whatever it is you want, the comedy, whatever. And, but if you would just depict nurses in an accurate way, as far as just like what they do, just their job description. There are bad nurses. I literally have a podcast around this concept. So you can have bad nurses making bad decisions. Nurse Jackie, people complain about Nurse Jackie. And they're like, oh, they make it seem like all nurses are drug addicts. No, they don't. It's about one nurse who is. Are there nurses who are drug addicts? Yes, there are. I'm sorry to say that there are, but it's nurses suffer from substance use disorder just like everyone else. Everybody else. Just put some effort into it, Hollywood. Come on. Yeah, just just give us a little something that makes us look, in general, like like who we are, and, yes. and, and not a lot do. But but I think that goes for any profession on TV. I mean, TV is all about the drama, right? But mm-hmm. but if you could just make it just a little bit more realistic, then then we will be able to watch and and, and maybe not scream at the television the entire time. <laughs> so. Well, I think even doctors. The, sh- the medical medical shows that that are usually it's uh, surrounds you know the doc is all around, all about the doctors but the doctors are usually not depicted correctly either you know what they do because they have them a lot of times doing things that nurses do but um, <laughs> right. in this one case I'm so excited because this comic book they just did it right and the reason is the this healthcare system Allegheny Health Network there in Pittsburgh the C and I believe C and E is or was her title. It's um, uh, Claire Zangerl. She's the chief nurse executive at AHN. She decided that she wanted to do something for the nurses um, who are having to go th- through all of this stuff with COVID nineteen and all the all of the the stress and the exhaustion. And so they took, I believe, eight stories. Sorry, I, I read the story, but then sometimes the, the details get uh, leave me there at the last minute. And they created three different stories based around real life events, the real point of view of of these different nurses. And so, the one that I saw, Kevin, you you kind of looked through all of them. I looked through one, and the one that I saw was really neat because it's like she woke up in the morning 
and she's listening to the radio and the and the guys on the radio are saying very typical things that we hear people say, I'm so tired okay. of wearing a mask. And I don't know, just kind of the, the conversation. And you can kind of see the exhaustion in the nurse's face. Like, I'm so, <laughs> so tired. Because, you know, listening to people talk and they don't always say things exactly the way things are. And it's it can be frustrating. And it's kind of cool because it starts with, like like every good comic book, it starts with the transformation. She get, wakes up, she's got her hair all over the place. <laughs> and then she comes out, she shaved, she cut off all her hair. She's like, yeah. I don't want to have to worry about that. And right. And and her family's like, Whoa, what happened there? And she's <laughs> like, I, I got other things to worry about. And yeah. What nurse probably has wanted to do that during COVID and be like, Let me just cut off my hair. Let me just, you know, certainly I think that was kind of cool, like a cool way to kind of start it up. Okay, she's, you know, you know that she's got bigger things to worry about than than how she looks. And mm-hmm. and she still looks great. So yeah, a lot of nurses do that. I think they they start out with their hair really long, and then they'll you know, kind of go to this the the little short, uh, at least a, a bob or a really short cut, um, just because it it is hard to to manage. I manage. I, I wouldn't know. I mean, I I I could I can't really totally relate, but <laughs> but I get it. Like you know, it's nice to be able to just you know done good. Well, that's why I love the scrub caps have kind of made a, their debut. Um, I mean, they've always been popular with surgical nurses, but... Yeah, th- I, th- those are those are never going to go away now. Yeah, I'm not ever going to stop wearing them. I don't care COVID or not. I love the scrub cap. I love being able to... And I work on a um, CVICU. We are a post-op surgical you know, unit, so I feel like I can justify wearing it. <laughs> yeah, you're. Yeah, that's one of those those things that for nursing is just not going to go away because it's kind of nice. It's nice. I don't have to worry about it. My hair, it, like I don't have to worry about what in the world my hair looks like. It does not matter. You just put it up in a put it in a bun in the back of you know like in the back uh, of my head at the, at the bottom, and then the, it has a little thing at the bottom that you can kind of tie around it and. I don't have to worry about putting um, a hairnet on when we do bedside procedures. Yep. So the, you know, vascular comes or someone oh, comes in to care. place a swan or do something. And um, here's your hairnet. I don't need one. I've got, I'm good, you know. <laughs> so what, what that's kind of nice. What I really love about this comic is they truly make the nurses the heroes. I mean, they truly are yeah. the heroes of this. That, yeah. And and they look and they're drawn like heroes, which mm-hmm. is just cool. Like they, they you know, the, there's one place where she's putting on a mask and a face shield and she looks every bit the hero. Uh, she does. Yeah. It's, uh, I'm so it's impressed cool. with the way that they did this because I love how you said that. They really do draw them like a hero and it they it feels like a hero, not, not yeah. um, I don't know. It's like it looks. It looks like a comic book hero, typical one that you would see, yeah. and re- it's it's very typical of a, a Marvel comic. Yep. But at the same time, it's realistic too. It's they they really don't try to go above and beyond. It's not anything you know, um, really supernatural or or anything unrealistic. Yeah, no, it's no, very it's... real life. Um, I, I one of the things in there that is so you guys that work on COVID units. I, I have floated to the COVID unit several times. I'll be working there next couple of weeks. I'll be working in the COVID unit. And you guys know, I've heard you guys talk about it, the nurses who work there, how you're doing something and all of a sudden you hear the, a code and then you're running down the hall and, and all that PPE and you're trying to, you know, get all, get, get 
your PP off from one room and then out of that room and into another one and get it all back on. It's just so. I think that Marvel did a really good job. I think that the CNE of this um, hospital group was just very thoughtful in doing this. It's a, I'm sure it's a, a marketing technique, but how clever and so respectful. I just love it. So now y'all can say that you are, you, you are a Marvel superhero. Yes, uh, you really can. I, you, it, and you can find it online. Like you can, you can read the whole thing. Yeah, 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 it's, it's, it's awesome. And they, you know, so of course they, they got to do a code. It's like the requisite mm-hmm. hero role for nurses is that they're going to do a code. And, and just the angles that they draw, like, it's, it's good. It's really, really good. It's good. It is. It's, I, re- it's good. I wish I could have a copy of them. Yeah, I, I'm going to see, I'm going to see if we can get a copy of these because these are, are really cool. And then you know they they shock the this person who's coding and and they make that look as dramatic as it really is and 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 it's just they look very human and yeah there you know there's the you know the shock once and you know eyes open that's a little well but a little yeah dramatic a little a little little comic book but yeah <laughs> um, you got to have but, a little of that in there though you know yeah 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 and it's yeah you know, that's what the the public's gonna gonna hope to see but I love how they depict the PPEs the PPEs are well depicted that they are they're gowned up they're gowned up they look good yeah Marvel also did um, give the ah ah and teams some editing power. They uh, sent over sketches to ensure medical accuracy. You had pointed out, now I did not, I didn't catch this, but I didn't look at all three of the stories, but apparently there is a shock asystole situation in one of them. <laughs> well, in, in, in the code, and it's, you know, it's in the code, the, there's a, there's a, you know, dramatic line of we're losing him. And you see the, you know, the wiggles and then all of a sudden the asystole and you're like going, no, don't shock asystole and they shock asystole. <laughs> maybe they shocked before he, I don't know. Maybe, maybe. maybe. It, it's, it's, I don't know, maybe. And, it and, would have been it, better still, maybe if they were pushing some epi or something. I don't know. And, and they and they and they, they probably are. The, you know, the, it starts with CPR and they got the CPR like dead on. It looks fantastic. And then, uh, and then And then they get the paddles, which of course, you know, we, and, ACLS where I say, well, you know, the paddles are there, but let's use the pads. They're safer, um, but they're not as cool looking. And I, I tell yeah. people that the you know the, the the pads aren't nearly as, or the the pads don't look nearly as cool as the paddles. But the paddles mm-hmm. are a little bit more dangerous. Yeah. Um, but sure enough, they they shock him and and they they get him back. And there's a <laughs> you see some some rhythm there. And yeah. I was like, okay, okay, I get it. I see what you maybe they're just doing that because they realize that the general public would uh that's just that's Happens how the they time. understand the way things work, you know. When I, I t- know. whenever I teach, whenever I teach um for nursing orientation, I always teach the crash cart and I always teach you know that there's a couple rhythms that you need to know and asystole is one of them and I said, "Well, what do we do with asystole?" and and it, sometimes someone will say, "We shock it." And I'm like, "Only on TV." Only on TV do we shock Sicily. Otherwise, we're going to start doing some of this. We're going to start doing some CPR. <laughs> and, and remind them of that. And then get a chance to talk about CPR, which is, you know, of course, important. Um, so it, 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 it's not surprising. But it, it's still 
really, really well done. And what very, great, very well done. What a great, cool thing to be able to do for the for the nurses of their hospital system. Um, there's another story in there where it, you know, it's somebody who uh, you, you can assume has COVID. The the nurse comes in fully gowned up, and he, uh, his wife's not there, and he's talking about his wife and. And then the next thing you know, you got the nurse there holding an iPad and 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 being oh. there for that emotional moment. And there are so many nurses that are going to absolutely relate to that right now with COVID. There's so many nurses that that's going to hit them right in the feels, man. That's gonna they're gonna they're gonna feel every bit of that, and that's gonna be oh a hundred percent. Yes, I hear be. one of my best friends in the whole world. I was her preceptor on PCU. She's in she's working medical critical care now. Uh, which is our COVID unit, the entire floor. And she talks about this all the time. And I, whenever I get floated up there, I hear them, you know, I have to FaceTime. So when it's FaceTiming with family is a part of your job now. It's like, yeah. that's they that's what they have to do. Their family can't be there. That's what we so, do. Yeah. And the, the part I love about it the most is even during this and, and you know, the, the, the patients, of course, super thankful and, you know, cheerful and everything else. And, and the nurse just says, I'm just doing my job. Just doing yeah. my job. Super humble yeah. about it. Like, like, this is what we do. It's how yeah, we do it. Yeah. The article says none of the nurses. I, I do too. I do too. But that's just, that is very typical of nurses. You know, they don't really want the, the, the hero word and all of that. Um, mm. But none of the nurses knew about the project until the CNE, the Zangirl, the, the nurse who is the, the chief nurse executive, she and the team surprised them with the printed comic book and they received copies of the book along with uh, themed lanyards for their badges. How cool so, is that? <laughs> I thought that was cool. The team made a video of a few of the nurses and their children as they opened their comic book pages for packages for the first time. And the kids' voices told of some of the struggles the families faced during the pandemic. And this is from medpagetoday.com um, where I'm reading this. So, one of the kids said, I'm worried if COVID might get him. What if she gets COVID? We didn't see her for like two months. Oh. Those were some of the things oh. they were saying. I know. Oh, can't you, can't you completely relate to that though? And like mm-hmm. so many nurses are going to relate to that, that that's going to, that's going to be, that, they did a great thing here. They ordered thousands of print copies to distribute to primary and secondary schools in the greater Pittsburgh area to inspire children. Yeah, so if they're thinking about doing that, uh, thinking about what they want to be when they grow up, they will see, oh, here's a, I could be a superhero. I could be a nurse. <laughs> there you go. It looks like there's, I, I just looked at the med, med page today, um, mm-hmm. and it looks like there's a link to the um, the, the video, and, and hopefully your listeners can go check that out. And I, I'll, I'm oh, going to check yeah. it out after after we're done here. because it Yeah, like, medpagetoday.com. I, Super impressed. Super impressed that this is this is a really cool thing. Mm-hmm. It really it's is. A really, it's a really cool thing to, to be able to do. And, and can you imagine being that family? If this is based on on actual nurses in their system, can you imagine being that nurse or being that nurse's family and saying, "That's my mom." I know. That's my mom, or like yes. that's my dad. How and cool! So is that? many people can actually. I, I really hope that that there's a way to to distribute this more. I, I 
really so many so. nurses can relate, like you were saying. So many nurses are going to read this and see themselves in it, and and children and are going to see it. Right. See their uh, their father and their mother in it, and husbands and wives are going to see you know their spouse in it. It's this is just real life. It's exactly what nursing is, and I love it. I love yeah. it. I appreciate Marvel so much for doing that. Yeah, this is like a really great good nurse story because this is good. This just this has to make you feel good, and it mm-hmm. it's. It's you. It's you guys. It's the listeners. This is you. And this is the, you know, the unsung things that you do every day that that you do. And you don't do it for the fame. You don't do it for the for the kudos. You don't do it to get a, you know, to get the the Daisy Award. <laughs> You're doing it because that's your job. And that's how you take mm-hmm. care of people. And you make people feel cared for. And that's that's you. This is a tribute to you. It sure is. So. Well, Kevin, thank you so much for coming back on the show. I appreciate I it so much. thank you enough for having me. I can't you thank guys, you enough go, for having me. Go check out Kevin's podcast. Art. It's called Art of Emergency Nursing. And tell them where, they, where all they can find you. Yeah, so Art of Emergency Nursing, you can find me on Instagram. You can find me on Facebook. Um, my my latest episode is all about the, the COVID-19 vaccine. So uh, take a listen. If you're on the fence, maybe that'll help get you off the fence. It's a... Uh, it's an article all about the the pros and cons and how it happened so fast. And uh, I got a chance to talk to one of the smartest nurses I know. So it's it's going to be a lot of fun. Wow, it sounds interesting. Well, you guys know you can find find me at Tina at goodnursebadnurse.com. If you want to email me, our website is goodnursebadnurse.com. And we are on Instagram at goodnursebadnurse. And we're GNB and Podcast on Facebook and Twitter. I just have to stop and think about that. So... <laughs> You guys reach out and send me your stories. I love hearing from you. I love the feedback that you give me. Even if it's a little negative, um, you guys are usually pretty nice. Sometimes I get one that's, you know, where I made a mistake and just be patient. I mean, I'm just human. I don't I don't script this for the most part. I mean, I make notes, but I don't, it's not scripted. So I just run my mouth and say dumb things sometimes and the wrong stuff comes out. It just happens. It's the nature I, I, of this I'm podcast. So, I'm so glad I'm not the only one. <laughs> See, that's why I'm here to make other people feel better about themselves. You're, that's right. you, if you're in that's my right. presence, you're going to feel better about yourself all the time. Like, wow, I'm not so dumb after all. <laughs> you, you, Tina, you're doing an amazing service with this podcast, and and I can't imagine you get much negative feedback because this podcast is amazing, and Thank so you. many of your people just love you and love this podcast. So, thank you for saying that, Kevin. I appreciate it. It's, it's, uh, you're, you're doing a good thing here, and, and we should all be proud of being good nurses. Yes, absolutely, you guys. And I want you to also remember that even if you're a bad girl or a bad boy, always be a good nurse. <laughs>